time to talk training, fitness, and health on the Weight Endurance Podcast. We're not doctors, dietitians, or physiologists. We're professional coaches, and your hosts, Cody and Kathy Waite. We've worked with hundreds of endurance athletes over the last 15 years through our training facility, plans, and programs. Within this podcast, we're sharing our own training and racing experiences, along with the knowledge gained from working with our athletes. We'll be shedding light on the training methodologies that we've found to be the most successful in making you a fitter and faster cyclist. All right, welcome back. I'm Cody Waite. Hi there, I'm Kathy Waite. And we're your hosts of the Weight Endurance Podcast. We're on to episode number 69, and we're going to talk about systems, zones, and testing. Ooh, a lot of buzzwords there. A lot of buzzwords. But it is that time of year. I mean, we're getting towards the end of December, um, and those sorts of things are on the minds of a lot of athletes as we're kind of closing out one's off season. Mm Mm-hmm. In most cases. Surviving the holidays. Surviving the holidays. And and people probably thinking like, oh, I'm going to start training for real in January. Right. That's the common, uh, a common strategy for sure. And part of that when you get started is doing some testing, whether you like it or not. Most people (laughs) do not like testing. No. Yeah. I have a love-hate relationship with it, which I think most people do. Yeah. Do you really love it? No. I avoid it, honestly. But I I preach and tell people to do it, but. (laughs) <laughs> oh my gosh we are going to do it in january i will do it i will yeah. do it specifically because we are in a very different environment than we normally are i mean we're mm-hmm. down in arizona as opposed to colorado lower elevation so there is some significant changes there although i feel pretty good about being able to estimate mm-hmm. where i'm at with things but don't you think sometimes you rely on that just so you don't have to suffer through the test. Oh, for sure. Yeah. It's a <laughs> Such cop out. Hypocrite. <laughs> yeah. No. It's definitely no, we a cop are out. definitely going to do it. And actually, that actually brings up a point what you just said. We're in a different environment and we want accurate data so we can set our FTP correctly in training peaks and like adjust our zones and track our fitness better. So that's where a lot of our young writers are as well. Like they just have their FTP set in training peaks from when they were in peak shape. Right, because and it's not necessarily what it is now. Yeah, I mean your your FTP, your functional threshold power, definitely ebbs and flows throughout the entire season. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's probably no bigger ebb or flow. Is it an ebb or a flow at the end of the season when it goes down? An ebb. An ebb. <laughs> <laughs> so there's no bigger of an ebb than the off season. Right. You know, we we it's part of the plan to lose that fitness, which equates to that FTP. It scares people. Mm-hmm. They don't want to let that go, but it's part of the process. Right. And so you're absolutely correct. That's why we test coming off of the off season. Mm-hmm. Not because we know going into it, we're not going to more. We're probably not going to make a PR. I mean, I'm certainly not. Um, if you're really new, maybe to training and stuff, you, maybe you'll have a, a, an amazing test. But in general, just go into it knowing these are just. It's just where I'm at. It's part of the process. Get those accurate numbers. Then you can set your zones accurately. That's one of the things we'll talk about to, in the show mm-hmm. today. Um, and then your data is much, much more accurate in terms of your TSS and all of those sorts of things, uh, which we've been we talked about in the last episode, kind of setting right. up your season. And then the next time you test, you probably will have improved, and then you can pat yourself on the back. You'll get some flow. You'll go from the ebb to <laughs> the flow. Some flow. Yeah. So, so flow I guess up. that's, yeah, it's okay to be low right now in your fitness. You should be. Um, and then you can like bank on having improvement later, which will make you feel good. Yeah. So that's sort of on our minds a lot right now. And we want to get into that. But before we do, we'll just briefly say, what have we been up to? Cody, what about you? Um, lifting weights a lot. Yeah. I'm feeling good about that. I'm back to, I think I can safely say I'm back to the strength level, sort of what's been the best I've Mm -hmm. been over the last several years. You're Um, also back to a lot of flexing in front of us with your shirt off. A lot of mirror time. Yeah. When you get in good (laughs) muscular shape. Seriously, I'm not joking, people. (laughs) He keeps like, like flexing in front of Sophia and me and like, don't I look strong? And you do. So it it is fun fun to feel strong. Yeah. You go from... In August, I was real skinny and, you know, lean to be racing Leadville, and now it's fun to be, I mean, I'm like eight pounds heavier. And such a beefcake. I'm sure that's not all muscle. There's some, There's co- some cookies. cookies involved <laughs> in there as well, but 
you know, it's fun. So yeah, yeah lifting a lot of weights, strength is really good. Um, so I'm happy about that. Riding really just for fun lately. Mm-hmm. I felt like early on, like a month ago, I was ramping things up too quickly for really no reason. Um, other than I was just excited to be where we are riding and stuff, but I kind of turned the volume way back on that and um, also got in a, a gravel bike for mm-hmm. the first time. I've succumbed to the gravel side um, and I got to be honest, they're fun. What's really fun is that you and I go over to our favorite trail system together mm-hmm. and you follow behind me. I'm on my mountain bike and you're on the gravel bike mm-hmm. and it's, you know, the pace all of a sudden becomes perfect for both of us. Yeah. Like I'm kind of pushing it, trying to see if I can drop you. You're navigating the trails on your fun gravel bike and it's Mm -hmm. just a little different. So it forces you to concentrate and think about what you're doing. Yeah. And it's fun. Yeah. So that's been really fun. So to actually just like be riding for fun is Mm -hmm. is a good feeling. Um, For some reason I've haven't done that. I've always been so like goal oriented and like I'd have like a March or April target race and now this year it's like my races really aren't until like june Mm -hmm. um, and onward so i have this extra time to lift weights a little bit more and just ride for fun so it's been great what about you well a little bit the same i have really been enjoying the weightlifting very gradually adding weights to the barbells um i have to be careful with my fuse back but i do feel like i'm getting stronger and that feels good um i just bumped up my pull-ups to like sets of three instead of two. So I think I did five sets of three nice. yesterday and that felt really good. Yeah. I mean, you do, you definitely have like a cool factor. Like it's an ego booster for sure to, you know, do a couple pull-ups. So that's fun. And then I just love riding down here in Arizona. And I also did have to like back it off a little bit though. I got so excited about feeling fit and mm-hmm. um, just loving the trails that I was having some like swelling around both knees. Because you like jumped in head first oh my gosh and... well i like fitness wise i can do it right and like energy and like love of being out there for sure i can do it right but i think i just have some connective tissue stuff and i have to be careful so yeah i backed it off a little bit and i feel good now and yeah and i guess the other thing i wanted just to say is some encouragement to people that i know this is a really tough time of year it's a week is it a week now a week from christmas yeah yeah a week from christmas it's inevitably stressful whether or not you love the holidays or not. If you don't love the holidays because you have some old baggage with it, for whatever reason, it becomes even more difficult. But even those who like love Christmas, it's just stressful. You're, you're buying presents, especially if you're the mom. You tend to be the one that, that does all that. So I've been really busy trying to make sure I have all my ducks in a row there and you know, making meals and trying to have get-togethers with people. And it just is really stressful. And we've seen that with our young writers. They've had to wrap up projects and finals in high school and college. And, oh, my gosh, like all of our sweet kids. Several of them are colds. Oh, yeah. Someone texted us today. They have strep throat. Another kid texted. He was so stressed out. So we've just had multiple phone calls letting them know it's okay. Yeah. Dial it back. It's what we've always said. It's like when your life stress increases – your training stress has to decrease. I mean, you you can attempt to keep it high, but you're not getting the benefits of the training at mm-hmm. that point because you're so frazzled and t- like tired, basically. Yeah. Um, from a nervous system standpoint, that you're not getting those benefits. So it's like you're just making yourself more run down. Mm-hmm. There's how you get a cold or whatever. Um, when I think it's like that emotional wearing down that makes me feel sad for. Mm-hmm. Like the young writers when they reach out, like, like feeling bad for not. You can tell, yeah, yeah, you can tell they, they they feel so badly about themselves and they're apologizing that they miss their workouts and I and immediately I'll call them or like message them back like no you do not need to apologize right. we know you're doing the best you can get through finals get spend time the yeah get through the holidays yeah. spend time with your family if you don't get on your bike for the next week who cares go hiking with your your mom and dad go shoot basketballs with your your younger brother. Mm-hmm. So I'm just saying that to everybody, like cut yourself some slack. Yeah, for sure. As you get through the holidays and that last week of the year, wrapping everything up, there's very little to gain in these next two weeks in terms of like fitness when it comes mm-hmm. to a June or a July or an August race. You got, we got so much time. So 
dial it back, lower the stress, try to enjoy yourself, mm-hmm. um, and get the most out of it from that standpoint. Exactly. And then you're going to be that much more like hungry and motivated and eager when January 3rd rolls around for our base builder program. That was a great segue. <laughs> um, yeah. So speaking of that, yeah, January 3rd is when we kick off our 2022 base builder program, mm-hmm. our 17th annual, I think. We think so. We just keep throwing numbers. I know. There. I'm pretty sure I look back and it is in fact the 17th annual. <laughs> I, I said 18th a couple episodes ago. 17th annual base builder program. We've got a really great 15 week um, program. Well, first off, we have base builder plans available, 15 weeks um, available on Training Peaks. I'll put the links in the show notes. You can use base builder 25 to get 25% off as podcast listeners. Um, but check it out, and you can also choose to get the plan optimized via TSS and everything, what we've, we've been talking about the last couple episodes, um, for a little bit extra, and get your training kind of squared away when you want to start. Now, if you want to start January 3rd with us, which we hope you do, uh, we'll have like a virtual live program, live meaning you're training right along with us on a weekly basis of what you and I will be doing, mm-hmm. um, and very similar to a good chunk of our redevelopment team um, targeting peaks later in the spring. And um, it's just a great program. 15 weeks incorporates all the um, training systems we're going to be talking about here Mm -hmm. this episode. Um, It's going to incorporate the testing that we're going to talk about in this episode, the strength training, which we're going to talk about, I think, in our next episode, if I remember right, Um, and uh, take you all the way through that. And then those of you targeting a big endurance race, like maybe Leadville, perhaps, or something similar, mid to late, mid-summer, let's say, you can add on or kind of bundle together our race prep program, which is new for this year, um, that will pick up where the base builder leaves off in mid-April and then take you through another 15 to 16, 17 weeks of training, targeting your specific race. And at that point, I come together and put a, put together a custom plan for you that includes the races right, a person's right. doing and then optimize the TSS and all that kind of stuff. And, um, but then we'll, we'll keep up with some Zoom calls and the training support and the coaching and that group setting um, all the way through. So we've got several people already signing up for that, doing Leadville, like from spread all... I got a guy from Iowa. I've got um, some like really different places that's really going to be fun. Some East Coasters, some West Coasters, and um, all working towards Leadville um, and a few other people doing some other things like Steamboat Gravel and other races kind of in that summer. Perfect. Date. Um, so yeah, I'll put links in the show notes to that as well. And we'd love to have you guys join us and we'll be talking a lot about those pertinent topics mm-hmm. in our podcast over the coming basically the rest of the year we'll be talking about the different nuances of training um, and it all kind of tie into that program so um where are we at here i think it's time to jump right into the topics at hand okay should we do that yeah let's do that so i want to cover basically three topics um, that I think tie together really well. They're coming to my mind, our minds, based on what we've been discussing with our redevelopment team writers. So it seems very appropriate um, that our listeners, podcast listeners might be interested as well. Talking about our energy systems, training different energy systems, and then tying that together with training zones and kind of explaining our methodology and Mm -hmm. philosophy around that. And then how do you set those zones through testing? And we'll go through our testing protocol and kind of philosophy and strategies around that. Sound good? Yeah, let's, let's jump right in. Uh, it sounds like um, teacher Cody is ready because that's, that's what I feel like this first part is, is about, like a biology class. We're going to go through some like <laughs> basic biological processes and I learn something new every time you talk to me about it. Especially because I can see it in front of me. I'm really a visual person. So um, let's jump, just jump right into it. Okay. I want to keep it as short and sweet and simple. For one, I'm not a physiologist um, or a doctor or anything of that nature. I'm just someone passionate about training and racing. And these are things that I've learned over the last 20 years or so of doing mm-hmm. this. So um, yeah, I just want to put it out there. As, I'm simple-minded, so I'm going to put it out there in a simple format hopefully (laughs) um but 
All right, so All to, right, here we go. Yeah. The three primary energy systems. Three primary energy systems. We've got our oxidative energy system, our glycolytic energy system, and then our ATP, which stands for adenosine triphosphate, DASH, or also known as alactic energy system. So let's start with oxidative. That is where we spend the majority of our time training as endurance athletes. That's highly aerobic. It's a lower intensity um, energy system where the the major, majority or the bulk of the energy is coming from metabolizing fats, oxidating fats. So think oxidative, meaning there's oxygen present. It's highly aerobic. We're able to utilize a lot of fat. There's always a mixture of fat and carbohydrates being utilized, metabolized as we're training at all energy um, levels, or, you know, all training zones. But it's the ratio of fat to carbohydrate is what sort of differentiates all of these. So that oxidative energy system, think aerobic and for the most part fat burning and some carbohydrate burning. Then we move up to kind of that middle to upper intensity level um, and in the endurance sports world, it's the glycolytic energy system. So think of glucose, glycolytic. We're metabolizing more glucose, more carbohydrate. And also burning some fat, but not as much. It's still very much aerobic, but think of it more as like the higher end aerobic, you know, where you're getting more power, but it's very much aerobic as well. And then that third energy system, we rarely tap into in in an endurance sport like cycling and like long distance running and such, but that's that adenosine triphosphate. It's that actual like anaerobic effort where you're using your ATP stores Think of them as like little batteries that last, are very powerful, but they only last a handful of seconds. And then you have to slow down and recover and let those batteries recharge. And then you can maybe do another repeat of that. So in my opinion, or I think, you know, that that ATP system is basically something you do in a very pure sprint effort. Um, So like a track cyclist, or if you're just... You know, we will do some peak power workouts. I mean, a couple of workouts over the course of an entire season is all that will tap into those ATP stores, mm-hmm. but more so the strength training, especially heavy weightlifting, will tap into ATP stores as well. Well, um, you and I did a few sprint workouts recently mm-hmm. just for fun. Like on our zone two rides, we threw some sprints in and we had the, the young riders do that too. Yeah. And I... I can like feel, I think you can too, like when that energy like poofs, like the match blows out, like right. I, I will like run and sprint for about like three to five seconds. And I'm feeling like amazing. Mm-hmm. And then it literally is like poof and I have to sit down. I'm done. Right. Right. So that makes sense to me when you explain how like the battery's done. I actually like envision a match in my head, but then it recharges like a little battery would. Right. Yeah. If you slow down and ride easily and recover, um, then that battery will replenish itself mm-hmm. most of the way. It's really interesting. Way. And depending how much you slow down really dictates how much it recharges mm-hmm. too. So if mm-hmm. you keep pedaling at like a moderate effort and you try to sprint again, you're probably right. not going to hit the same level of power as if you like literally like shifted your easiest gear and just like barely pedaled for a couple minutes, then you mm-hmm. could have a higher chance of hitting the, the big power again. So... So those are our three primary energy systems. Um, now, you div- divide those energy systems into some subsystems, and that's what creates the quote-unquote training zones for okay. an endurance athlete. So our oxidative or aerobic energy system, we delineate or identify to those via heart rate or train by those via heart rate. Um, Within those, you have your aerobic endurance. So that's kind of like your all-day riding effort. You know, obviously, it's very, you know, fat metabolizing, um, lower intensity, lower heart rate. And then you also have like that higher, what's called like aerobic threshold, that first threshold, ventilatory threshold, where you are pushing the boundaries of um, the, that ratio of car- fats to carbohydrate metabolism. So you're pushing right up to approximately 50% of your energy coming from fat and 50% of your energy power coming from carbohydrate. So that's that aerobic threshold. I personally think that's a little confusing, th- that term, because it's not like when you cross that threshold, you're no longer aerobic, because you are aerobic for many training zones further in here, as we'll discuss. 
So I almost think that first threshold should be maybe like the oxidative threshold or something where you're going from the oxidative energy system to the glycolytic energy system. But you mean um, less fat burning into more sugar burning? Right. So it's when you cross that yeah. threshold, you're now, let's say, 51% carbohydrate burning and 49% Do any scientists call it that? Not that I've oh heard God. or this read. This is a breakthrough. This is a science <laughs> no. breakthrough, guys. You heard it right here. No, I doubt it because I could be completely off base here. <laughs> it just makes more sense It makes more head, sense but, to me, too. But anyway, because, yeah, it's confusing to call it an aerobic threshold because as you cross that, you're still aerobic. So... Um, all right, so then the glycolytic energy system, so that's that higher intensities but still aerobic energy system, that has the systems commonly referred to as like anaerobic threshold or lactate threshold, kind of zone four in a traditional six or seven zone model. Um, perhaps that would be a better better named glycolytic threshold, I don't know. Um, but that's their VO2 max. Confuse, you know, that can be confusing. That's highly, highly aerobic. You're getting towards like the max power you can produce aerobic almost, but it's very much an aerobic um, energy system. And then you have another confusing one, anaerobic power or anaerobic capacity, um, which really relates to your actual like maximum aerobic power. So it's called anaerobic power, meaning without oxygen. But it's actually your max aerobic power. It is, That's yes. very confusing. It's, it is a little bit confusing. Oh, um, my goodness. And okay. Yeah, there's different names for everything, too. Yeah, I That's find that to be been, baffling. My entire life, you know, fig, you know, learning about this stuff, one person calls it lactate threshold, somebody else calls it anaerobic threshold. And then threshold. Cody Waite starts calling it oxidative <laughs> threshold and yeah, glycolytic. I shouldn't, <laughs> I shouldn't have thrown another one in there. I know, just 10 names for each thing. Right. Um, yeah, so... Those are the systems. And then, like I said, the that ATP, adenosine triphosphate system, um, that's the, like your true maximum effort. And that relates to like our peak power, like I mentioned before. But the whole reason I'm trying to explain this is that, you know, it's these energy systems and subsystems that what training zones are trying to align with mm -hmm. in our training programs. And that's true for just about every coach. You know, we have... Some people have a three-zone training model. There, you know, some people have four, five, six, seven, eight. You know, I've seen ridiculous. So, which number do you, you land on? I have landed on, I think, what would be a fairly, uh, I don't know, if popular is the right word, but common seven-zone okay. model. Six to seven is kind of the the, the common numbers. Yeah, and let's run through that real quick. So what we do is we have zone one is recovery. Okay. Um, a lot of zone models will have this. So to me, again, we're, our first three zones are that oxidative energy system. And we train primarily by heart rate in these zones, the first three zones. We like to look at power and see how our power is responding or, or correlating with that heart rate effort. Because we can identify trends of either increased fitness or decreased or... Or an off day. Yeah, like an off day or mm -hmm. possibly getting sick or whatever. But we train, we target our training around heart rate. Okay. So with recovery, less than 64% of max heart rate. Um, so it's very low heart rate. A lot of our younger riders have a real difficult time... Oh, they can't even do it. ...even riding yeah. that slowly. Um, and there's a couple reasons behind that, which I won't get into, but... Um, so that's zone one. Then zone two is that classic aerobic endurance, you know, all day riding. That's basically or roughly 65 to 75% of one's max heart rate. Um, again, like that's a great one where if you do some longer rides with that and then you see what your power was for that ride at that heart rate and then you repeat that ride again, you know, the next week, if you can average a little bit more power, you're at the same heart rate, you know, you're adapting well to the training is the idea behind that. And then the third zone is that aerobic threshold, um, which is um, 76 to 80% of max heart rate. And these are all approximations. No, it's exact. Like <laughs> when you switch from 75% to 76, you've gone to another zone. Right. It's not quite that cut and dry. <laughs> um, yeah, it's all like a spectrum or a, a blending from one zone to the next zone. All right, so then when we cross from zone three into zone four and above, that's when we like, if someone has power at their disposal, that's when we like to train by power, using power. 
So zone four is that anaerobic threshold, um, or some people just call it th threshold. That's like the, if you hear someone say my threshold, they're usually referring to anaerobic threshold or lactate threshold. That relates to our 32 to 64 minute power. Okay, so anyone who's familiar with FTP, the common generic definition is your max power for one hour. So our anaerobic threshold zone is that 32 minute to 64 minute power. So FTP falls in that zone, okay, zone four. So that's fairly, fairly common place. Um, then you move up to zone five, that's VO2 max. You were looking at targeting eight our our sixteen minute to eight minute power. Okay, so okay. how how much power could you maximally put out for eight minutes and up to sixteen minutes? You're in that range of VO two max power. Now this also gets a little complicated or confusing because VO two max is often referring to more of a heart rate or um, it's how much oxygen you can serve your muscles like how much oxygen your muscles can utilize to produce power which relates a little bit to heart rate um, but there's also a vo2 max power range or zone where you're training your muscles to produce the power at vo2 max if that makes sense well we're going to come back to that when we talk about our testing okay so let's put a little asterisk and then re revisit it true then we go on to zone six and that's that anaerobic power um, or aerobic capacity, often um, what others will call it. That's very short. That's like one to four minute long power. So it's how hard you could go for one up to four minutes is sort of the range or the zone. Um, super powerful. It is highly aerobic, but now we're probably looking at like, I don't know, roughly like a 90% of the energies coming from the aerobic side of things and maybe 10% is coming from like an anaerobic side of things um, as we've climbed up. So it's still highly aerobic, but it's our anaerobic power that we're training. Okay, but you're mostly burning sugars in that zone. Oh, yeah, almost entirely, I would say. Okay. Like pretty much. Um, and that's a great point. So as we've moved from zone one all the way up through to zone six, and we haven't talked about zone seven yet, which is that peak power, sprint power. We're trying to tap into that ATP system. But as we've moved up from zone one to zone six, we're burning a mixture of fat and carbohydrates. And think about like each step up to each zone um, is like shifting that balance of fat to carbohydrate or glycogen mm -hmm. usage. So when we're way down in the recovery zone, that's almost entirely fat. Like you are burning some carbohydrates, but very, very little um, because it's so low intensity. Then when you move up to zone two, zone three, you're starting to burn more carbohydrates, but still mostly fat, more fat than carbohydrates. Then when you cross over that quote unquote threshold, now you're in a zone four and start training by power. Now you're burning more carbs than fat. And then as you go to VO2 and then eventually anaerobic power, it's like even more carbs, even more carbs and almost basically no fat at that point for, you know, a one to four minute effort is basically entirely carbohydrate fueled. Gotcha. And let's put another asterisk by the anaerobic power, that one to four minute power, because we will touch on that again when you get into our testing protocol. Yes. Okay. Okay, and then the big thing here too to, to remember, or I should clarify, is that all these systems are blending, they blend together. It's not like a hard line between one where you go from, you know. Well, like I joked earlier that when you go from 65 to whatever it was, I can't remember my percentage. Yeah, 60, 75 to 76%, you don't switch from zone two to zone three. Right. I mean, you do, but it's not like that. I mean, that's not real life. Right. It's a blend. It's a spectrum um, of these, these energy systems. It's not like an on and off switch right. or like shifting gears in a car from one to the other. It is very, they're all interconnected. It's like a, a, a steady blend. It's why like when we look at our training by power, you know, VO2, we train eight to 16 minute maximum power. And we break those up by the way, into smaller intervals and that's interval training. And we'll get into that discussion a different time. 
But when you go from, it's a big jump from 16 minutes to 32 minutes. So 16 minute power, your maximum 16 minute power is the, the low point of VO2. Then the high point of anaerobic threshold, which is the next zone lower, is your 32 minute power. So that's a big jump from 16 minutes to 32 minutes. So if you are, you know, training at your, you know, putting out your 20 minute power. It's forbidden. You are still getting benefits of training your, you're, you're training a little above your anaerobic threshold, mm-hmm. maybe a little below your VO2 max. You're still getting fitter. You're still making gains, so to speak, but it's, um, I don't know where I'm going with well, it. Well, I, I know where you're going. Cut. No, I know where you're going with it because if you look at the numbers and it's easier for us, not the listeners, because we see the numbers in front of us, they're all um, multiples of each other or like um, you're doubling. Du- du- doubling of each other. Right. So that the zones were created by the doubling of the numbers, um, right? One to two, two to four, four to eight. Right. And it creates these very yeah. easy to understand like buckets of power to train by. Right. Gotcha. Yeah. So you have like yeah. a narrow range to train by rather than a large range because that it's easier to narrow down and focus on one specific or a, a, a super small range of numbers rather than a big range of numbers. Okay. When, when it, it makes enough sense. We don't, we're not doing like a lecture on just <laughs> these, these, these zones, of the model, but the point is like you as a coach, look at this and you know that you want your athletes and yourself to get fitter across the zones, right? to be a full spectrum athlete, to be the best athlete they can be. So you're creating the, the structured workouts with that in mind. Exactly, exactly. And the, the really interesting thing too is if you focus on one zone, let's say, they're all being that they're all interconnected, you improve one, they're all going to improve. So if you work heavily on your zone two riding, even your anaerobic power is going to go up. It may not go up as much if you focused on training your anaerobic power, but it will still go up. If your zone two power goes up, all your power goes up. Same thing if your anaerobic power goes up, your aerobic power goes up as well. Again, maybe not as much as if you focused on it, but it, it, they are interconnected and they go up and down together, um, which is always kind of fascinating. I was just going to say the word fascinating. That's probably my my favorite part about the training, about how it is all interconnected and you get benefits across the board when you train one system. Right, right. So. Yeah, so within our training plans and programs, you know, we like to have two weekly structured workouts that target one of these specific energy systems is typically how we do it. Then the rest of our week of training is generally very low intensity. So in that fashion, I guess we would be put into that sort of polarized training style um, or training method, meaning, you know, twice a week, you're going to have very specific. Now, if you're training aerobic threshold, that's more of like a moderate effort. Um, maybe not considered, quote, high intensity, but relative to the zone two, it's higher at least. Mm-hmm. Um, and then later in, you know, different points of the season, if you're doing anaerobic power, uh, that's obviously very high intensity. Um, but twice weekly structured interval workouts. And then the other two, three, four, five rides in a week um, are going to be more of that re- either recovery or just aerobic endurance riding. So I think we fall into that um, polarized method for the most part. Um, and then we typically move up or down the energy system chain in train in within training blocks. So rather than sort of a random haphazard approach of like a smattering of training zones within a given week or a block, um, we tend to f- focus more on a, one specific energy system for a few weeks, and then we move either up or down in intensity depending on the time of the season to work on the next corresponding sort of link in the chain. I I think of it as like a bunch of chain links connecting. In one end, you got easy recovery. And then on the other end, you actually would have your heavy weight lifting. Mm -hmm. Because it goes, once you're done sprinting, that's like the top end of power on the bike. But then it goes to like quick movements in the gym, like plyometric movements. And then it goes to like max effort lifting. So if you include those, think of it as all of these chain links. And so we typically like to move up or down by sort of each chain link segment as we go through a training progression. Um, and often, not always, but often in two-week increments is kind of what I found works really well because 
it gets you basically four really good workouts per system. And then you've kind of made some gains from that. And then you move either up or down in intensity and then move on to the next system. And it does a really good job of keeping a rider from like plateauing um, where some people will sit and they'll do like six weeks worth of VO2 max. Oh dear God. And you can get extremely fit, but then you basically hit like a plateau there. And it's really, if you don't, burn out altogether yeah, that, that's six weeks is a lot but so people do do it and there are gains to be had but it's not easy mm-hmm. and it definitely can lead to like a plateau and then maybe some a loss in fitness whereas if you're moving in smaller chunks and either up or down the the chain link um you're avoiding that pl- plateau and you're continually making improvements um in one direction or the other so uh, i think it, it's a it's a really good method and then the so when we do our base training we typically go from that low to high progression and then in the race phase of the season we typically go from the higher to the lower kind of progression that's essentially how we do it there that was good okay all right teacher (laughs) okay so then how do you how does someone figure out their zones right you have to have accurate numbers okay to be able like we talked about earlier to have good data in your training piece, get so it accurate goes back, TSS. Back to the testing. So you have to test. Oh my God. I, like, right. Did you see that segue I just did? <laughs> Flip the page. Flip okay, the page. so we do need to get accurate data testing numbers or testing numbers to, to put that data in into the system to make our zones. Right. And I wish more people could let go of how they hang their hat or their, their, their like self-worth on their test results. Mm -hmm. I've seen, I see that all the time. Oh, it's hard. I know. And that's one of the things that makes testing so like stressful for people. Yeah. It raises the anxiety level, but like it doesn't, it, what your numbers are doesn't really matter. What matters is how you're progressing across a season and then multiple seasons. Um, yeah. And it just is what it is. Like you're, you can't rush it. You can't rush it. it yeah. You know, and our friend Andrew Simmons, who trains runners, he just did a podcast mm. about the same topic because he sees it all the time with the plethora of uh, young runners and, and adults he coaches. Like, nobody wants to, quote, feel out of shape, mm-hmm. unquote. But you just have to. So when we test in January, we might be a little startled at our own numbers. But it doesn't matter. We have to look at it as a good thing that's going to like set us up for like really good data, the the optimal zones for us individually, and then like I already said, like we're going to see improvement, and so good. That's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk about the way we do our testing because it yeah. is different than other systems and coaches out there. Um, did you want to say anything else before I jump into it? No, go okay. for it. So we have three parts of our test. Number one, there's a 20-minute aerobic test where you're riding for 20 minutes at 80% of your max heart rate. Mm-hmm. And we're going to go back and talk about that. Number two, you have a max aerobic power, which is all out for four minutes. That is probably the, t- the toughest one. Right. Then we conclude after a 10-minute rest with a one-minute all-out test that we call anaerobic power. So you have 20 minutes aerobic, four minutes all out, one minute all out. Right. Okay. So let's just dive in there and talk about them each. The 20-minute aerobic test is probably very unusual for some people because when they hear FTP test and mm-hmm. then they hear 20 minutes, they they might assume time trial that we're thinking like that like horrible nightmare of going 20 minutes all out. Right. That's not what we mean. No. Take a sigh of relief. Oh. <sighs> The only way I think you can even do that is if you, you go climb a mountain, like look out or Humboldt or something. Oh, it's horrible indoor. On a I can't even imagine. That makes me cringe. Yeah. No, but this is a good one. It's 20 minutes done at 80% of your max heart rate. And how does someone find out what their max heart rate is? That's a little tricky. So um, if, if you're new to this, so it's definitely not your, what is it? 220 minus your age or whatever. It's definitely not that. Yeah, that's an old way to do it. Um, the, the best way to do that is... By looking at your data, if you've done a maximal effort, so that could be like a super hard training session that you did maybe, and it can be from a few months ago, that's fine. Even, you know, a year ago, mm-hmm. possibly. Um, or a race, but it has to be a short enough race where you could 
were able to give it a maximum effort. You, know? you were trying to go yeah. really hard up a hill. You're not like, going to hit your max, your max heart rate at the end of Leadville sprinting to the line because you're too gassed at that point. <laughs> <laughs> so it has to be more like a cross-country race or a crit or maybe a group ride, you know, where it was like super hard and you were like fighting not to get dropped or whatever. Um, that actually is a good place sometimes to find a, a, a max heart rate. So the, the best way to find it is look back in your data at a true maximal effort that's going to get you close. And you, your actual max heart rate is almost always a little higher than what the highest heart rate you've ever seen, but it's probably yeah. going to get you close enough. In fact, I'd rather train a little under prescription or you know under what your max heart rate actually physiologically is as a, than trying to push it up too high. Right. It's better right. to go a little less than a little more. Now, if you have no clue, you haven't done any kind of max effort, the good news is after you've done the entirety of this test, I'm thinking mostly in that four minute, maybe the one minute test, you will probably find your max effort, your max heart rate. <laughs> I think more in the four minute. Yeah, honest. I think so yeah. too, because it's long enough. Um, but if you're not there yet, um, there's a n method, it's called the Moffatone method. It's kind of more in the triathlete world, but this um, doctor, I think he was a chiropractor, um, but he was a really good coach, um, and he had the Moffatone method, and his was taking 180 minus your age, got the majority of people, so about 90% of the people, at their 80% of max heart rate. Not their max heart rate, but at that aerobic threshold. Or because 80%. what someone's looking for right now is a number by which to hold themselves back for that 20-minute aerobic test. Right. Okay, so if I were new to this, I had no data whatsoever, haven't raced in years, have no idea, I would take 180 minus 47, what is that, 133? Mm-hmm. That seems a little low. Seems a little low. Now, his method, then you add five to ten beats if you've been like really, really healthy. Yeah, mm -hmm. if you're really fit, you add five. If you've been healthy, not getting sick or anything like that, injured. Um, you can add another five, so up to like 10 beats. Um, yeah, and I think it was take off five or so if you're really out of shape, like really, really out of shape. Yeah, or if you find you get sick frequently mm -hmm. or injured frequently, you know, okay. things like that. Okay, well, with that method, that would work because 180 minus 47 is 133. I would add 10, and that's 143, and that's what it is actually in my, in my 80%. Okay, yeah. So, so it works <clears throat> fairly well to get something. Yeah, I think it underestimates, <clears throat> but I think he prefers that and builds mm -hmm. that in there. So that is one method. I think the best is finding out what your max actually is. But if you don't have any idea and you want to get this test under your, you know, in the books, um, you can do that. The good news is, like I said, you will find your max or get very close to it in the four or the one minute test after it. And you can actually do the 20 minute aerobic test pretty frequently because it's not a hard test to do. Um, so you could kind of like give it a go with that formula if you're new to this, then do your four and one minute tests. And, you know, if you find out it's like a big difference in number, maybe the next week you do another 20 minute aerobic Honestly, test. the next day. Yeah, that's true. Do you true. remember the story? I told the story once before, <laughs> but a couple of years ago, we, we were going to do the, the power test with our base builder group in the gym in the, when yeah, we had our cycling our studio, when we had our cycling studio. And you and Sophia and I decided to go like on Monday, I think it was, to just get it done. That way we could just focus on the, the adults when we were there. I get so nervous for these tests. So when I was doing my 20-minute aerobic test, I could not get my heart rate down low. And actually with that kid, Brady, on our team said the same thing yesterday. You're so excited. You're nervous because you know the next part's going to be painful. So I got done with that part. It was like pathetic. My numbers were pathetic. Mm -hmm. Like whatever. So I did, I finished a test of four minute, one minute. The next day in our class with the adults, I was going to sit there and spin. And I thought, well, I'll just do the 20 minute aerobic test again. Mm -hmm. I think my aerobic power, because I wasn't nervous, was like 20 watts higher. Right, right. For the 20 minutes. Yeah. So you can totally do it again the next day when you don't have like the nerves. Right. Yeah, for sure. So that is... The key is you want to do it, do it every time, the 20 minutes, at 80% of your max heart rate, ideally in the same place mm -hmm. and it's the same, as similar situation as possible. Right. So doing it on a trainer is actually good because you can control things like wind and temperature and all those sorts of things. But if you want to do it outside, you certainly can. Um, but if you're doing it 
now, let's say in December, and you're going to do it again in July outside, more than likely there's going to be a big temperature difference, and that does affect the power you can do. Um, So keep that in mind as well. Yeah, and I think it's difficult to control, like, exact effort on varying slopes. So I do too. Like, one of our favorite climbs back home in Golden is Lookout Mountain, and it's fairly good for that test, but there's enough degrees of difference in the slope or yeah. the, the grade that it's... The trainer's the most... You have to watch it. So yeah, the yeah. trainer's definitely better. So, yeah, just, like, get, like, a fun show on Netflix or, like, your favorite song playlist and just like relax and in a way it's kind of a boring test you have to hold yourself back True. yeah you you feel like this is silly i, I could go so much harder oh, okay well if you wanted to do that go to the 20 minute time trial otherwise right. enjoy the 20 minute warm-up yeah consider it a warm-up for what's to come with the four and one minute tests and yeah you're just trying to get your best average power at 80 percent, and you're looking for improvements in the tests to come um, as the season progresses all right, you want to talk about the four-minute min- one test? Um, it's hard. Good luck. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, I mean, it is hard, but I you just got to just you grin and bear it. Yeah. You know, it is best done in the trainer. If you have, like, a perfect hill outside to do it on, go for it. Um, but, yeah, for accurate testing and duplicating it a couple months later, I would definitely recommend the trainer. Mm-hmm. Um, find your best song like what do we love but thunderstruck for the four minute one that's a good one it's amazing (laughs) or like something really energetic yeah uh take time in between the 20 minute test and the four minute test to get up and go to the bathroom take a gel go pee whatever you need to do and then make sure you lap your computer right that's huge the the interval on your computer Yeah, lap lap the interval and just go for it four minutes all out however Pacing is really important. Super important. I can't re- remember how many times we saw people blow up in this. Right. Studio. I mean, there's part of it that's just going to be a learning process. It is, yeah. But what do you think your best tips for pacing are? My best tips back from coaching in the studio um, was the first minute, if not even two minutes, should feel quite comfortable. Mm-hmm. Like you're going hard, but you're very comfortable. Um, because the second half, the last two minutes, and then of course the last minute are quite uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Um, and it gets, you know, so it's a cumulative and it's, it's, even though it's a fairly short, quick test, that accumulation sort of happens sort of slowly and it's Mm -hmm. very easy to go way too hard in the first minute. Um, so in the trainer where it's super controlled, what I would, in the studio, I should say on the trainer where it was super controlled, what I would always recommend people doing is start in a couple of gears like easier and allowing you to have a little higher cadence than you would. And then each minute shift to one gear harder, shift one gear harder. And then that last minute, you may even shift two or three times within that last minute to harder gears, lower cadence, and you're creating more torque and more power. So it kind of forces you to pace a little bit better. And again, it does take a little experience, but that's really the best way to do it indoors where it's super controlled like that is. I don't think I do it exactly the same way as you though. I, I, I know that method really works for you shifting down to bigger gears, but I, I don't think I do that. Okay. I I think I maybe shift one or two times max the whole four minutes, but I tend to like a higher cadence spin. Mm. Um, but I will definitely shift down to a harder gear just like the last minute or 30 seconds and i even stand sometimes and really you know give it my last bit yeah i actually find that sometimes i'm kind of being a baby and don't i don't push it enough the first minute like the opposite Mm. of what you're saying okay because i'm so like afraid Mm -hmm. but you have you have to kind of it's both you can't go too hard but you can't go too easy so Honestly, the easiest is if you've done this test once before, like do, do one, get it under your belt. Yeah. And then the next time you will know, you'll say, okay, so I did, let's just pick an even number, um, 250, right? This is, I can't even remember what I've done, but you say I, I, I held 250 watts or 300 watts for four minutes. So I'm going to assume I can do that again. And if I can do that, then I'll, uh, and even better, maybe I hold like 290 or 295 for that first minute mm-hmm. and like bump it up a little bit. So you can hopefully that last minute be, you know, doing 320 and then you've raised the average. Right. But it, sometimes I would just find myself like so afraid of the pain that I would be going too slowly and I couldn't make it up the last minute. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, you, you, you start hard for sure, but you're holding back at the same mm-hmm. time. And some people might benefit from just covering up the numbers altogether. That's a great point. Some people get too fixated and for whatever, thinking they should do better than they are able to or holding back more than maybe what they could do. I've seen that a lot of times too. Maybe that's so. my problem. I should do the next one without even looking. Yeah, just think, like go back to old school. Like how does my body feel? Yeah, I think going by feel is better way to do it. Um, okay. But uh, yeah, then anyway, you take a lot of recovery, mm-hmm. probably upwards of like 10 minutes in between the two tests um, after the four minute, before the one minute. And then the one minute is just one last hurrah of everything you've got left. Um, and this does require some pacing as well, but nowhere near as much and it just goes more quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, but it should be like when you're done, you're like collapsed over the handlebars on the <laughs> trainer or you want to just like fall to the ground to the side of the Dramatically. road. Dramatically. Yeah. Um, Make it a dramatic finish, guys. Everything everything you've got. <laughs> All right. So now we've done these tests. So the aerobic test we already talked about is a single data point. We're just kind of looking to improve um, from test to test. The four and the one minute test, this is what we will input into, we have a, a spreadsheet that has this uh, natural log, logarithmic equation in it that takes the, the two data points and determines the percent at which your power is declining from the high one minute power, so let's say it's 600 watts, down to the lower, but still high, four minute power, let's say it's 450 watts. That's going to give you a percentage of decline, okay, as those durations have increased. And it's a natural log, I think is the right term, because it's it's a, a doubled distance. It's going. It's figuring out. We used to do it where it was a one-minute test, a two-minute test, and a four-minute test, which was a lot. Yeah. But that was years ago in the studio. Um, because the idea is you're doubling distances, but if you go from one to four, the division in the natural log equation is by four rather than two, so it, it all works out. Um, and saves you two minutes of pain. And it saves you two minutes of pain, and you get a better one-minute test in the end. Um, and so that percentage of decline carries through as durations continue to double. So when we go from our four-minute number, which we know because we just did it, then we can calculate based off of that fatigue rate, is what it's called, what our eight-minute power is, and then what our 16-minute power is, and our 32-minute power is, and our 64-minute power, and so on as you double out. Mm-hmm. Now, if you've been listening, if we haven't lost you yet... <laughs> Wake up. We have an important point. Those numbers, 4, 8, 16, 32, 64, those line up with the training zones mm-hmm. from our previous discussion. So we're collecting these nice numbers at each end of those zones that create like that bucket that we're going to target when we're training those specific subsystem of the, the energy systems. Whew. Okay. Does that make sense? Well, to me it does. Okay. <laughs> and if people don't understand it, they can email us, can't they? Yes, absolutely. And another thing that's really cool about fatigue rate too is it, it's a percentage And there's kind of like, if you're a higher percentage versus a lower percentage fatigue rate person, it gives you a little bit of a rider profile, so to speak. So you can, someone with a low fatigue rate. Throw out a number there so they can. Okay, so low fatigue rate's like 6% or less. Okay. Okay. Means that you have great endurance capabilities. You're probably good at time trialing, probably good at climbing, and or, you know, Longer distances. Longer distances, meaning your power does not decline as rapidly as durations continue to double and increase and get longer. Did you just describe yourself? I did. (laughs) (laughs) I cannot sprint, but I can ride for many hours pretty solidly. Now, when you have a high fatigue rate, so that's, let's say, 7 to 9, you know, 9, 10%, that means you are losing power rapidly, so you are probably more of a quote-unquote anaerobic or like high-powered athlete, possibly someone who's very strong. So you might have a very high peak power perhaps. Um, but then as you the durations double out to 32 minutes, 64 minutes and beyond, you know, that power starts to decline more rapidly. So you really sort of slow down and peter out um, in that sense. Yeah, I think mine is typically like seven and a half. 
Me. You're more on the yeah. Po- like strength, power. Speed I mean, if you look at me, you can tell. <laughs> <laughs> right, it doesn't always correlate that it way. It doesn't. But, that's that's why I'm making it. But joke. look at the races you really excel at. Are usually like punchier, not necessarily super long, but lots of power on and off power. Yeah. You know that sort of thing. You came from a running background. Runners often, uh, mm-hmm. not always, but often have are in that category. Versus me, you put me in, I'm not that great of like a short distance yeah. racer. I have no peak power to speak of. Um, but like I said, but I But you just never stop. Like you're, you just go, 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 go. Yeah. And yeah. that's why you did, you did so well at Leadville. Right. So it gives you an interesting look at like who you are, but also maybe where you are in the season. Mm-hmm. So I bet if I tested now, my, my fatigue rate would probably be a little higher because I haven't been riding a ton and I've been weightlifting a ton. So maybe my top end mm-hmm. would be a little better relative to my, my, Four minute power, that would probably be something I would expect to see in the test results. And then as season kind of progresses and I'm training more, that percentage is going to shift mm-hmm. lower. And ultimately, I want to get it really low before um, a big event like right. Like yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah, so you can kind of like it gives you an idea of how to tweak your training a little bit mm-hmm. too, especially in the race phase of of the season, um, depending on what kind of race you're training for as well. So. Um, pretty cool stuff. Okay. All right. That was good. So we will be doing testing with our base builder program and our, and it would be in the base builder plan if you were right. just doing that on your yeah, own. Yeah. I have a test planned, um, the, the, like basically to kick it off. Oof. Um, so yeah, good luck with that. And then one at the end okay. of the base builder. Um, and then quite often I'll do another one later in the season, um, a few weeks before maybe an A race. Depends on the person, but some people can get psyched out with tests and if like the test doesn't go well, then they yeah. can't race well or whatever. But um, So it depends on the person, but generally speaking, I, li- I like to see the improvement mm-hmm. um, at that point. So yeah, this test, what I like about it too is it's not overly daunting. It's not. We're like making it sound a little... I'm being a little exaggerative as yeah. I am. I'm, I'm a bit dramatic, but... And the aerobic one, you like we said already, like you can do that pretty frequently and it's actually sort of fun once you get, you know... Once I you agree on that it. one. I think it's just a great workout. And it's a great checkpoint of seeing where your aerobic fitness is because again, they're all tied together. So when your aerobic fitness, your aerobic power goes up, guess what? All your other powers have gone up. How much? We don't know exactly because that will correlate to the fatigue rate, but... They will go up. So it's a good way to check. Is Am I adapting to the training? As long as it's going up or even just staying the same, but we want to hopefully see it go up, you're improving. You're not overdoing it. If you start to see it stagnate or decline a little bit, maybe you're overtraining. Maybe you're overstressed or doing too much or something. Maybe it's you're not eating life. enough food. Maybe not eating enough. That's yeah. a topic for another day, but we will be talking about it too. Like do not be underfueled. <laughs> True. Okay. So I... Th- think that wraps it up and we can just say our last bits sure but i do hope people sign up for our program we are going to have a um kind of like a pre-season launch meeting on monday night the 27th of december and if someone were to register and pay for the program they would get an email about that right it'll be a zoom call type meeting we'll record it so if you're a latecomer or can't make that you know you can get have access to it via recording but yeah we'll go over all the like details kind yeah of. just like a little more time for people to ask questions and get set up and ready to go right exactly all right if you have any questions from what we um, have been blabbing on about you can email us at cody at teamweight.com and that's cody with a c or kathy at teamweight.com and kathy's with a k and lots of posts on our instagram and facebook with all this information cody will put lots of good stuff in the show notes with the coupon codes and everything too. Yep. All right. Anytime you want to leave us a rating, review, or share with your friends, we'd greatly appreciate it. That's help us spread the word. Yeah, just yeah. spread the word that um, yeah we're we're here for you to become the best cyclist you can be. Absolutely. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. Have a great holiday. Happy New Year. Because I think we won't be back until after the New Year. That might be true. I don't know. It's all a blur with the dates. Yeah. Happy holidays, everyone. Take good care of yourselves.
Everything we discuss on the Weight Endurance Podcast, we integrate into our annual Base Builder training program and downloadable training plans. Our Base Builder program is an annual online virtual group training program with us as your coaches, allowing you to build your best cycling-based fitness possible to prepare you for your next riding season. We also offer downloadable training plans for base building, cycling-specific strength training, and specialized race preparation for road, gravel, mountain bike racing, and everything in between. Consider our training plan subscription service, where you gain access to all of our training plans for as little as $20 per month. This allows you to easily switch between plans to create your most complete annual training progression. Regardless of the type of cyclist you are, by becoming a part of the weight endurance training community, you're allowing us to help you become a fitter and faster cyclist.